through the night. She just wanted to tip, no advice. On the side of the road, what's the risk? Roll the dice. If they catch us, I don't care, cause we all gonna die. Welcome to Poor Shock. This is your story of Third Change Picture Word. Can't have their lives mine. Our festival is stopping playing, start getting real. I'm Eric. This is Miss Pageley. Easy tell them, Pops. DMV's finest, Fredericksburg's finest, Mansfield's finest, Charlotte's finest, um, Dewey's finest, did I miss any? I thought on Greensboro's finest as well. Brockwood Elementary class of 06 Valedictorian. Special guest today. I'm not sure if I know her enough to introduce her, so I think I'll let Ez take the reins on this one. Um, we've gotta stop calling every guest special. Cause we've had some guests on here who shit the bag. Um, outside of that, it's uh I, I guess, do you want to go by Belle, Bella, Isabella, Isabel? Uh, definitely not Isabel. Bella works. That's pretty good. Mm, I kind of like Isabel. Like it's got a nice, yeah, Isabel got some nice ring to no, it. That's but, not my name. No, but like, it's, is your name not Isabella? It's Isabella. There's, it's yeah, but it's, Isabel. you just dropped it. Yeah, Isabel would be like the abbreviation. Of no, no, because there's people who think they're actually Isabel. So All right, we've got Ethan Shaw on the on the jet. <laughs> oh wow, that's crazy! That's how you introduced me. Come on now. You did this to yourself. We no. gave you options. All right, whatever. Um, I can just introduce myself then. Hello, everyone. I'm Isabella. I'm a recent college graduate with my bachelor's of arts in psychology and criminal justice thank you thank you and recent second lieutenant commissioned gotta throw that out there too um what does does that mean for everyone who doesn't know what that means oh um in the army i just became a second lieutenant so i'm an officer yeah i think that's that's pretty much it can i ask a question that might be pretty self-explanatory you can um what an officer mean to a Navy SEAL? Oh, my goodness. Who's high, what is the hierarchy? Because I'm assuming that we don't answer to y'all, but is that how that works? Is that how they tell y'all that works? <laughs> um, so I just don't even think there's, like, any kind of, like, correlation. I don't really think they even interact. Got it. We're above interacting with y'all. No, no, no. We are above interacting with y'all. Yes. I love that we cap here. But now that we've got that out the way, episode 117. It was going to be a mental health panel. We couldn't secure enough fast enough to make it the panel. We will circle back with the panel for all of my guests who have heard that we were going to have a mental health panel. It is going to be more of a mental health discussion featuring, you said Isabel? We're not doing this. <laughs> no. I thought it was just Belle. Or Bella works. Wait, Belle or Bella? Either one. Ethan calls me Belle, so but you all my friends like, call me Bella, so it's kind of like you could do something interesting and go with Sob and just take the mill. Sob. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um. I'm not gonna lie. I'm kind of here with Sob now. I think yeah, that might be it for the episode. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if that's it, but I mean, it was a good effort. It was a good effort. We got Sob on the cast today. We got a lot to talk about. And I think we should just get right into it. What made you, what was your degree again? So it's a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology and Criminal Justice. I kind of did that, but not the psychology part because I didn't like it. Mm -hmm. What made you uh, dive into that? So eventually I kind of want to work, you know, with the, some agencies and things like that. And so it's kind of like been my driving force, but I also, I find it very interesting kind of like how the mind works and how 
why people do things the way they do based on like their mind and their actions. And so that's kind of the biggest thing on why I did this. I think it's super interesting. So she's trying to control people. (laughs) No, definitely just, I just want to know why people do the things they do. I think it's interesting. Have you so far, just having the degree, not having any experience in the field, have you so far got any closure or any insights on why it is people do the things people do? I definitely think uh, sometimes I've kind of been able to like psychoanalyze people a little bit and just like, oh, you know, you're kind of doing this because of this or like, um, it's like you act this way because of this trauma in your life. So I've definitely been able to kind of like do some of that. And I've kind of been able to point out like some people with like eating disorders and stuff like that. So I definitely think I've gotten like kind of some experience and kind of use like what I've learned so far. Follow up to that. Do you have any tips for listeners out there to kind of use it um, in a way to, you know, help you in job interviews, networking, dating, any tips you can give people to kind of, you know, maybe make direct eye contact, smile, but not like a creep, things of that nature. (laughs) Um, You mean to like, kind of like positively like impact like a date or something or like in a job interview or like yeah like how do you use psychology to kind of to your benefit um I would say I mean I think that you could use it kind of like to better understand people and kind of just to like listen to because sometimes like all somebody needs is someone to listen to them and so that's like really big with psychology that's like one of the first things in terms of like when it comes to like counseling and things like that is just being there for someone to listen to. So I think, you know, whether it's like a significant other, a family member, a friend, like sometimes somebody, all they need is someone to listen to them. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing and super simple for people to do. Um, I would say in terms of like job interviews and things like that, I don't know like how much psychology there is. I really just think it's more about like confidence. Um, Cause like, you don't, you kind of just want to be like who you are and don't want to try to like play any mind games or try to like figure out the situation that's just my opinion question on the um sometimes all people need is for someone to listen to them (laughs) and it's easy to listen to them um I guess my question is that's cap what if I don't like listening to people (laughs) um okay I mean I don't know that I would say it's cap but I mean if you're not the type of person that is like willing to listen to someone like then obviously don't do that because that's not going to be beneficial to either one of you. That's just going to create a negative environment. Um, So, I mean, if you're not, then you could like help by leading them to somebody who would listen to them or things like that. But like in terms of like, if you're not like a mental health professional or things like that, like sometimes it just helps to like lead them to that or like don't try to like fix their problem per se because you might not really know how. Mm. Is there any scenario in which maybe I'm not a, well, not me in specific, specific. is a significant other like lazy and disengaged if instead of being willing to listen to the problems, they just want to refer them to like mental health help? Is that the lazy way out or is that like the right thing to do? I think it depends on how serious the issue is. Like if it's something where it's just like something small and like they're not willing to listen like that's kind of messed up um because that's kind of you have to lean on each other for stuff but if it's like something serious like where you're like 
oh yeah, this is not something I can really help you with. Like you need somebody else, like a professional who can help you. I don't see that there, I don't think there's a problem with like recommending that. You know how wild that would be? <laughs> if like, let's say your significant other came home, they're like, you had a really tough day at work and you just like, you walked away, came back, found me, so you're like, hey, I scheduled you with therapist appointment. Like, <laughs> yeah, like that, you like, that just sounds like, so how, like how silly that sounds. So I think like in that type of situation, like if you were to say something like that, like I feel like it's almost like disrespectful, like you don't care enough to listen to me. Um, but like obviously something like a more serious, like actual, like bigger issue that they can't help with, then yeah, I definitely would refer them to somebody. What if they just doing that thing that females do where they whine and bitch about little things? Okay, we don't know. We don't know. No, no, no. Like, we we're not gonna do that because there so are these plenty little... of males who whine and complain about things too. Okay, we're saying anything. Suddenly, this seems really specific. Is there anything that you would like us to listen to that you need to talk about? I talk about everything. I got a whole podcast full of listeners. If I needed to talk about something, they'd be heard. <laughs> um, so there's like there's a difference between like whining and complaining, as as you said, um, and like having a serious issue. Like if someone's like talking about like oh they had a rough day, you're like oh just so annoying today, just complaining about everything that happened that day. Versus if someone comes home every single day and they're, like, depressed, like, they have, la- like, lack of motivation or um, extremely lethargic, losing their appetite. Like, that's a very different situation. Okay. Now that now that we've got into it a little bit, um, I'm going to start just random on the list. <laughs> Explain to me your stance on giving kids medication. In specific, explain to me on ADHD meditation as a whole. Your thoughts on it. Okay, so I think there's a kind of a couple things. In terms of, like, kids, sometimes there are kids who do need some medication to help them, like, focus so they're not all over the place. Like, so personally, my um, I know somebody very close to me who does have ADHD and she takes medication for it. And she's in, she just entered high school. And if she did, like, if she doesn't take her medication, she's like bouncing off the wall. She's insane. She can't do anything like you. It's a huge, you can clearly tell. Whereas when she does, like it kind of helps her focus in school. And so I think, I think that everybody, every single person has like a little bit of ADHD. So it just depends on the level. Like for a kid, like you don't need to be giving a kid ADHD or just like medication if it's not as a severe level like if it's something minor I don't think that a kid should be taking medication because they need to kind of like they need to learn how to figure life out and figure out their problems with dealing with like how it is and so I think that unless it's to like an extreme where they really do need medication then I do think it's important and so in terms of ADHD medication I I know that there's like still a lot of people in, in college who will take it. And I think that's a very interesting situation um, because like I know sometimes people will say like it makes them like super lethargic or like sometimes people it says it makes them focused. Um, but I don't I personally don't know that like taking um, the, I think it also depends on the type of ADHD medication you take. But I think taking it in college is like. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that anyone still has it like that serious where they really need medication in college. I've just also never seen somebody 
like who's had it that bad. And I think there's also different. So there's like for ADHD medication, you have Adderall, which is like a lot of people like that's pretty normal. People take that. But then there's like Ritalin. And that's kind of I feel like Adderall is the one like people will turn to the most. But I don't think that's always like the best option for people to be taking that. Okay. Um, you had mentioned uh, that you for severe for severe or depending on how severe the case is, you're not against it. You can see it being helpful. I guess for me, and then I'll let Eric and Paige touch whatever they got there. I guess for me, my uh, grapple with ADHD medicine and a whole is I think it almost makes you codependent. And like you were saying, like you don't have many adults who take it, but like some adults still take it. I think it makes you codependent because you never learn how to cope with these things. Because if you get put on ADHD medicine at, let's say, seven or eight, in my opinion, and you're taking that throughout high school, you've never really been able to cope with learning how to act in certain situations because the medicine kind of going to zap your personality away when you're on it. And I don't necessarily like that. And I definitely don't like it given to kids. Once you get to like a middle school, high school point, I'm okay with it. Like if you go to a therapist or that's something you believe in or somebody like prescribes that to you and it's helping you focus, it's helping you get work done. I'm okay with that. But like to think that like there's like first and second graders who are kids being kids who take ADHD medicine, it just kind of feel weird to me. Well, um, so my older brother has ADHD uh, pretty severely, like to the point he can't function sometimes because he's so sporadic um he's older than me but and when we were in school he like could not do anything without his medication like it it fully not something like adhd isn't something that you cope with you have to go on medication because you can't control it that's the whole point so you could barely clearly see the days that he lied about taking his medication because at school he was like an absolute terror. Like it was just and a terror in terms of like sit down, do your work, all that stuff. Not like, you know, actually do anything crazy. Um, but he is 28 now and around like 18, 19 years old, they started weaning him off of his medication. And now, I mean, he still has ADHD, but now it's functional. So when you're like in the growing stages of it, it's, it's not something that you can cope with. You need something to like help you function, help you focus, help you be able to like keep a singular thought long enough to execute it. So I don't think it's so much as a codependency thing. Cause it's not like numbing your like ability to have a thought or an emotion or anything. It's just helping you like, bring in those thoughts to execute them yeah like and like that. with that I was gonna say so like the person I was referring to earlier is my younger my youngest sister and she got put on medication like young and stuff and but she still has had to learn how to like deal with certain situations like even though she's on the medication like she still goes through things where like she has to learn how to deal with it in terms of like interacting with people or behavioral issues or things like that and so it's, like, the medication, like, it helped her in school because, like, without it, like, 
kind of like what Paige was saying, like with her brother, like I could clearly tell when she didn't take her medication. And so she was just like bounce off the walls crazy. And so, um, but like that didn't, I've never seen her, seen it like affect her personality or who she is as a person. I've never seen anything like that happen. And she still had to learn how to like deal with things in her life. In her life. So the Adderall or Ritalin, whatever it is, I know I've heard like terrible things about niggas who get on Ritalin or niggas who had to take Ritalin as a kid. You don't think that like made them more timid or made them not want to like have fun or be a kid? Because I know some individuals who were like, they took it in elementary school, early middle school, and like niggas was just lame. And they got in high school and stopped taking it. And it's like, yo, like dude's actually cool. Like dude talks. He wants to hang out. One of my boys took Ritalin, like, all middle school, and he would literally be, like, tired. He'd be sleepy at lunch. He didn't talk much. And that wasn't the dude we knew in elementary school, and he was completely different when he got off it in high school. I mean, So, like, I feel like that kind of goes back, like, to the severity, like, kind of, like, did, did they really need it, like, when they were taking it? Yeah, or depending on his dosage, like... Yes, that's also huge. ...completely overdosed him to the point that it was, like, making him a zombie. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like back in the day, I feel like ADHD was getting prescribed a lot more than it probably is now. And, I mean, that can even go... More, we can even talk more a little bit later about, like, the DSM and, like, how things really get diagnosed and all that. But, yeah, I think now it's not as popular, um to kind of just want to force feed your kid pills to make them calm down. But I feel like that's kind of what it was back in the day when kids were running around and parents were like, I must be ADHD. Let's get him on some pills so we'll calm the fuck down. I'd almost argue the opposite. That's why that's why we got Bell here to give us some insight. I'd almost say the opposite. Back in the day, people were less likely to put their kids on pills. And the farther we've come, the more they're like, okay, we're testing their kids early. Okay, we're trying to like figure things out. And they're okay with putting them on pills. Because my mom wasn't putting none of us, none of us on pills. We was going to behave or we were going to get beat. And then we was going to behave. Nowadays, parents don't parent like that. We're going to take you to the counselor. We're going to take you to the therapist. They're going to prescribe you this. And you're going you're gonna to behave a little better. I mean, I understand. Like, I kind of do agree into the sense that, like, I think parents nowadays are more willing to p- put their kids on medication. And, like kind of do that kind of route um but and I, I feel like there are sometimes like parents who are giving their kids medication when they don't really need it um like yes maybe like these kids have kind of something going on but like there's other ways that you can deal with that and help them cope with what they're going through rather than medication um and so like there's behavior um people that you can go to and things like that that can help with that and where you don't have to take medication um so I would say yeah that I do I do think that people these days are kind of more but also like there's a difference between like just putting your kid on medication and like having them going and get like going through the whole process and then like actually getting diagnosed with ADHD or things like that because like there's a difference between like saying oh yeah I just have ADHD and I take this medication like yes you do have to be prescribed the medication but like there's not I don't know that like they really went through the whole process of like having to get diagnosed because it's a long process and evaluation. Mm. So like you would be talking like getting a treatment plan, sticking through with your therapist or whatnot, like them actively trying to like learn how to better 
not I'm not gonna say cope with it, but how to better like live with it and like learning new tactics to like go about their daily life. And then hopefully over time, a year or two, the dosage goes down and they get farther along in their treatment and whatnot. Yeah, and like yeah, and so like you let's say like you don't have to like let's say someone a kid does have like some ADHD things or whatever, and like there's ways like they can go to like behavioral psychologists and stuff and like to find ways and how to kind of like help them rather than putting on them on medication if they're not that like um if it's not that severe and then there's also sometimes they're like okay let's say you know someone is doing this whatever then they put them on medication but through also they're still also doing the behavioral psychology seeing the behavioral psychologist and so they're also learning how to do things and then they kind of they, and then they'll, like, readjust their dosage based on how they're um, acting and feeling. Do you think some of these kids get mislabeled as bad kids? And do you think that's a fair labeling? Oh, absolutely. Because they are, like, acting up in the class to a degree. But do you think it's fair to, like, label them bad kids? Oh, no. I do not think that's fair at all. Because, like, the the thing is, like, there's still some sort of, like, psychological, like, disconnection there like if they are like um diagnosed with adhd and stuff and or or other behavioral things um there's a psychological disconnect that's not their fault um what's the pro what the fault is is like them learning how to cope with and how to fix it not so much the action some it's how they deal with that and how they fix it is kind of more on them I think a lot of kids gets mislabeled as being bad kids when they like simply don't learn the way that the school system wants you to learn too. Um, and the and- school systems are teaching so weird these days. Like it doesn't even make any sense. Like the Common Core, I don't know if y'all have heard of that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but it's just like it makes things so much more complicated too. The whole, like, sit down, memorize something, and spit it out whenever you're asked. Like, not everybody's going to be able to learn that way. So anybody with, you know, an attention disorder is not going to be able to do that or abide by that. So they're automatically going to be labeled as a bad kid. I think that's fair. But whenever I have this conversation with people, I think it's fair to a degree. The only caveat I would have to give to that is, yeah, everybody doesn't learn that way. But to a degree, that's something you charge to the game. Because in life, everything not going to go your way. Like, you can't get jobs because you're a bad interviewer and your excuse can't be, well, that's not how I, like, best represent myself. Niggas going to be like, who give a fuck? This is how we interview. So you, at some point, it's got to be instilled in you that you're going to do things our way because that's how the world works. You're going to do something. You're going to do a lot of things someone else's way the majority of your life anyway. So that's the only reason I don't really care about the, uh, this is how they teach you to learn, so learn it. Because that's the world. They teach you a lot of things. Or you got to do a lot of things that you don't necessarily want to do or isn't the best way you do it. And you charge it to the game because that's the world. Well, the difference that's easier, is- though, when you're more developed. You know, when you have younger kids, we're just like, they don't really comprehend that to a certain degree. So... You know, it takes a little while to get kind of used to all that. Like, if you're talk, if you were telling me like a 23 year old was like running around, bouncing around, they're like, "Well, this is how I do things." It's like, no, motherfucker. Like, you know that, like, that just doesn't fly. Talking to like a six year old, I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt a little bit because they're not fucking all there yet. Well, then and that's school, like school, 
when you're younger is legally required. Like you have to go, but when you're older and you apply for a job, you can kind of apply to what suits you and your needs. So, so, yeah. so since you like, cause I understand like Ezra, your point about like, Oh, that's how the world is. Da, da, da. So then what is your viewpoint on IEPs? If you don't know what that is, an IEP is basically when a student has some sort of like learning disability or like even a physical disability. And when they're in school, they get uh, basically this IEP is a form and it basically tells the teachers and stuff what um, like advanced, like what help they're kind of given because of those. So like sometimes yeah. it's like longer time to like turn in homework or like a little bit longer to take their tests. So then kind of what's your view on that then? I got a tricky view on that and here's why. I am not in any way opposed to IEPs for children. But you're hearing me right when I say for children. At some point, you're going to have to learn to to make it in the world. At some point, you're going to have to learn to overcome or at least fit in with whatever your disability is. If you're in a functioning, like if your disability or like your whatever you need help with learning, whatever your IUP is for, if you're functioning still, at some point, you're going to have to learn to fit in. So to me, that's got to stop around like, high school because that's not going to really happen in college for you and it's definitely not going to happen in the real world and then does it happen in college yeah Yeah. there's like testing centers you get extra time but so it can happen in college i don't know if it's functioning but i I, I can figure all right but but she was just using it for her advantage it wasn't like she actually needed it i can believe that um so okay even if it does help you in college I don't think it helps them in the real world. And then people are like, oh, well, not everybody goes to college. I think the individuals who are functioning that do not go to college, that hinders more. Because then they were used to getting a little extra help or a little extra time. And I'm not going to lie. Depending on where you go, if you don't have a college degree, you're probably going to end up in one of the blue-collar fields for the majority of it. Them niggas not cutting you no favors. Because they need this amount of work done in this time because you're getting paid to do it. And if you're not cutting it, the next nigga going to. And I think that's just, but I think we know. I look at it. I, I'm a different breed. <laughs> I'm a different breed. Um, I think this is one we should definitely talk about. Uh, nature versus nurture. There's been a lot of debate about this kind of at the end of the day where you really end up. Uh, Belle, what do you think about that? Okay. So like in terms of what? Um, Probably, what was it? Development or just in general as? Um, it was, I think it was in general and develop. we were discussing what things do we think is nature and what things are nurture. And in the grand scheme, I think it was in the grand scheme, what's like more prevalent, nature or nurture. Okay. I would say for nurture, oh wait, yeah, nurture, it's like your instincts. And so it's kind of like the things... And, like, where nature is kind of, like, your environment um, and kind of, like, the people you surround yourself with and the things and, like, that, how, like, that your environment affects your, like, personality or your actions and, like, the nurtures, like, the instincts, like, what would be your, like, kind of the gut feeling or, like, the first thing to do when something were to happen? I think, um... 
I'm on the line of where nature is like the natural things that you'll do, nurtures what you've been taught to do. I was on the line and I was convincing Eric, I'm hoping I can swing you as well, that past the age of like four or five, everything you do from that point on is nurture and nature don't even matter. There's a very few things in my mind that like you are naturally going to do as a person instinctively. The rest of it to me is all nurture. You've been nurtured to do this this way. Even if it's something that like isn't like super relatable, I think it goes back to like the way you were told or taught to do this. So nurtured to do this at a young age now affects how you're going to do it as an adult. So it almost all falls back to nurture to me. Oh, yes. Okay, okay. Um so okay, so right, so you're saying nature nurture is what you're based off is like how it affects like the rest of your life after like childhood like yes i'm saying you can throw nature away because it doesn't matter yeah I, okay. i'm saying you can throw nature away because it just right. doesn't so matter i know i i can agree that like nurture like your environment it has a huge impact on i think i've might have switched them earlier i might have said it backwards but nurture like i agree that the nurture has a lot to do with who you are as a person when you like grow up and like your personality and the things you like to do, but nature is not just thrown away completely. I mean, you still have like the things that you're pre-wired to do. Like that still plays a part in like this, like your instincts or like decision, like decision-making. I don't think that it's like completely thrown away. Um, what things do you think you are pre-wired to do so I can convince you those are nurture? <laughs> I, okay, so I think, like, I do think that a little bit of, depending on when your personality, like, your personality is really formed, I think that there could be a part that's, like, kind of, like, you're, like, oh, like, it's who you are, but it's not, I don't think that it's all, like, based on your environment, so, like, for me, like, personally, like, I'm a huge, like, rule follower, da-da-da, all that stuff. Um, and I don't think that that's always been because of my, not because of my nurture. I do think that that is part of my nature. My question to you would be, you think at birth, baby you, if born in a different scenario where you were encouraged to drink at 12, encouraged to be out hanging out with the boys, encouraged to do any and everything. Rules didn't matter. You still think because you being that baby, being you, you would have naturally followed rules still? I I do think that it's possible because, like, because your brain is still, like, in your development phase, like, all of your personality, all of your lobes are getting, like, your lobes that do have to do with, like, decision-making and stuff like that, like, those are still forming and stuff, but I think, and I don't think that that's all because of your, like, in the, your decision-making process, like, I don't think that's all because of your environment. I think that some of it is just, like, that's, like, who you are and kind of, like, what you think. As a kid, did anyone tell you to follow rules? Well, yeah, of course. And you listened? But, okay, but it's, like, I've taken it to, not an extreme, but, like, I'll give you an example. So, when I was mm -hmm. in first grade, 
Um, I used there was I had a friend in third grade, and there was like a McDonald's and like a Taco Bell in and out really close to my school. And I used to walk over there with her after school, and I never told my parents like you know all of this stuff. And then one day I was in the car on the way home after my mom picked me up, and I just started bawling my eyes out. And because I like basically you know because I was like oh, and then I told her what happened, and I just felt so bad about it. But it was never like that was I felt bad about it and guilty because of like who I am. I don't think that was just because like because I wouldn't that my parents never really made a rule like don't walk over there. It was just kind of like given per se. So I think like that's kind of more of like who I was and not so much my environment. If part of your personality wasn't nurture, wouldn't everybody and it was mostly nurture then wouldn't like most siblings all just have the exact same personality? Nah, because everybody's parents are different. I think we could, at least I think everybody from the families I've been around, the people I know, I don't think any two children have ever parented the same. So that's how they still end up different. I feel like if you're, if you're going to go off of like it's nurture, there has to be a bunch of similarities because even if you're not parented exactly the same, like, the pillars of your family and how you're raised should be similar. I, yeah, I agree. Most things will probably be similar. I don't know that many siblings that are I would think are that much different. You know, siblings think they different, but then when you bring an outsider in, you'd be like, "Nah, you kind of act like your brother." Mm, I feel like it's I can definitely you can rely disagree more with on friendships and who they hang out with than like raising, I guess. And at some point. You would almost have to, like, look at them in a bubble when it comes to siblings. Because you can nurture somebody, but then it then becomes, like, who else is nurturing them. Like, their friend groups. They're, like, you might be hanging out with losers. Your friends group is having an impact on your life. They're hanging out with the cool kids who drinking and fucking. Like, you're still a loser. Y'all got the same parents, but they got cool friends. You hang out with lame-ass dweebs. Bell, I did have a question on the nature and nurture for you, though. Um, fight or flight. Is this nature or nurture? Oh, um, fight or flight is, I would say nature because mm. it's like your first instinct. Like if you're in that situation, the first instinct you have is either to fight or flight. So I would definitely say that that is nature. Can I tell you a quick story? You can. Um, nurture. That's the quick story. But here's why. Um. <laughs> Hear me out. I think that nurture, fight or flight is nurture because at some point, somebody told you how to act in this situation. Some parents got a turn the other cheek approach. Some parents got a fight approach. Let's say you're 19, you're at the bar, and a shorty hits you. Some people, their fight or flight is going to be to fly. They're going to look for help. They're going to leave. They're trying to call somebody. They're calling the police. They're calling the bouncer because their whole life, their parents taught them. You are to get help. You are to look for help in these situations. So they are flee. They're a flight type of person. Other niggas, they've been fighting their whole life because when they was three years old and the kid threw sand on them at the beach, their mom said, nah, hit that nigga. Right. So they won't like from that point on. They are going to fight. So that was nurtured. Okay, so... The fleer is going to fly because 
that was nurtured. So your parents, right? People can tell you however how to act in that situation, but it re- when it really comes down to that situation, it's going to be your nature and it's going to be your instinct whether or not to fight or flight, regardless of whether like people have told you how to act in that situation. Like people can tell you how to do what to do in that situation at any moment. But when it comes down to that moment, when you're in the heat of the moment, your heart is racing, your adrenaline is up. Like it is, that is your nurture. I mean, your nature that's going to decide whether you fight or flight. I know people who fly and they fly because their parents was pussies who raised them to be pussy. <laughs> so it's in their genetics. So then it's, no, it's, it's not their genetics, it's their nurture. So then it's they were they were nurtured to be pussy. I almost feel like you would need to do a situation that like you would almost never be in to really see how people react. Because I almost feel like a fight or something's kind of like normalized. But it would need to be something where it's like, I don't know, someone pulls a fucking gun and you don't even have time to think about it. Like, what are you doing? I feel like the first time you get your license and somebody cuts you off merging, how you react then is going to be based off of people around you have act. If your parent was a yell, cuss this nigga out, that's how you're going to act. If your parent was a, it's fine, Jesus will get him down the road, then that's how you're going to act. Yes and no. Like, possible that your parents have taught you a certain way and, like, you do react. But I would say for majority of people, when it comes down to the situation, I would definitely say that their fight or flight is nature. I'm always fight, <laughs> but I think I was nurtured to fight. I don't know about Okay. That. Eric, what you mean you don't know? I convinced you last time. You're on the way. No, no. I think... I. Let's be real. It's more black and white. Or not black and white. It's more gray than anything oh, else. Yeah. I think it depends on the situation. I don't... I think it does depend on the situation to a degree. I just can't imagine a situation where I think I've been wronged in which I would fly. I also think that um, it kind of comes down to, like, the person and, like, their personality because, like, their parents could teach them this stuff or, like, how to react or whatever. But it's, like... They could disagree, and if like if that's not really how they feel, then like it could be a whole different um, situation. Mm, you bring a valid point because now you got to fight your parents too. If <laughs> <laughs> my kid ain't gonna win that fight, God, it's so it's tough with you, Ezra, because since you're a seal and all, like they break you and like rebuild you, so it's definitely all nurturing. You're like definitely nurtured. I would, I think I would cl- classify him as more stubborn and he just like, he thinks what he thinks and he's like, yep, this is it. No, I don't think stubborn has anything to do with it. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> okay. I think this is just, I think it, mm, that's why I think it's so hard with nurture, but I truly think it's because of how different people raise their kids. Cause if you would meet all of my mom's kids, there's probably only one. That's not a fight type, and that nigga just kind of weird. <laughs> but the the rest of them, oh, they're all fight. It is because of the way she raised us. So I think that's got it's got to be nurture. It could just be your genetics, though. Yeah, but we're adopted, so we don't have the same genetics. So damn, that's a fair yeah. point. I forgot I mean, about it. Damn it. I mean, yeah, I, you like, know, she was raised both. Like, I'm not saying like it's one or the other. It's I would definitely say it's a mixture of both. Realistically, it is. It's it's always going to be the fucking middle ground. Yeah. Right? Yes, definitely in the middle. I don't... What do you mean it's definitely in the middle? You was just saying how it was not. Yeah, that's just <laughs> what I was trying to convince you. your mind so quick like that. That's because I was trying to convince you that it's nurture, but we, we all know it's clearly nurture. Okay. Mm. 
All right, uh, different topic, different topic. I think this one's one that can also bring a lot of conversation because I feel like a lot of people aren't exactly informed on the proper definition. So uh, I might ask you to give a quick high-level overview of what the DSM-5 is, and then we can talk about kind of depression versus just being depressed, quote-unquote. Okay, so this is kind of like depression versus like when people say like, they're feeling depressed, it would be more classified as, like, they're feeling sad. So, like, someone who is, like, diagnosed with depression, they are – there's also, like, um, a kind of, like, different levels of depression. But somebody who is diagnosed with depression is, like, extremely lethargic. They lack motivation. They are – don't have a lot of emotion. They don't like to eat a lot. Um, or, like, they lose their appetite. And it's kind of, like, it's affecting their – life every single day and it affects their like daily activities like when they're at work or when they're at school and it is it has a constant presence over their life so that's kind of like that's when you're diagnosed versus someone who's saying like they're kind of like feeling depressed it would it it would definitely be more like they're feeling sad or like frustrated and that's kind of more like someone who's just because in order to be like diagnosed as like having depression it has to last for like a couple months or like it has to be ongoing for I think it's like one to two months and then that's when you're like diagnosed with depression whereas like someone saying oh I feel depressed or whatever it's like okay you're just feeling sad for this day like why are you feeling sad like or upset like we can kind of figure this out yeah I didn't pay a lot of attention in my psych classes which probably <laughs> why I didn't do well and didn't like them but that was one of the one things I always remembered where it was like you had to I think it was like two months yeah consistently and I feel like that's a thing that a lot of people get stuck up on. And I feel like depression's kind of become like an overused word um, yeah. to it's compare trendy. to actually depressed. Trendy. It's like it's like popular to have depression. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I definitely think it's, it's like overused and not properly used as well. Because like people who are like actually depressed and like are diagnosed with depression, like that's a huge thing. And then like when people are just kind of saying, you know, they're like, feeling upset or frustrated about a situation and then they say that it's kind of like a punch in the face like what do you mean like that's you don't act how I act so like how can you say that you have the same thing as me even though like obviously it's not a great thing to have but kind of yeah people are, are appropriating depression culture they are it's sickening it's they think sickening. it's like a character tree yeah for TikToks. yeah I know I know about it also I anxiety Anxiety. Oh, anxiety is also. So anxiety is interesting because like, yes, I have my degree in psych. Like, you know, I, I believe in this stuff, but sometimes like anxiety is kind of hard for me to like wrap my head around. Um, because like, there's like obviously people who get like diagnosed with anxiety and like, there's a whole lot of other things that like go on with that. And like, and then, but then there's like, and then there's people who just say they have an anxiety, they have anxiety, but like they don't really know how, they just don't know how to deal with something when it's like stress. They don't know how to deal with stress, or like they don't know how yeah. to deal in a public situation. And then there's like people who really do have like serious things with anxiety when they're diagnosed with it. And then it's like kind of the same thing. It's like, well, what do you mean? Like, I do, I absolutely agree that people are overusing anxiety and like that term because that's an actual diagnosis that somebody can get so you can't really claim that you have anxiety just because you don't know how to deal with stress or be in a situation with like multiple people or things like that so you said that you struggle to wrap your head around anxiety yeah so it's hard. 
I can help. <laughs> no, it's just like it's sometimes it's hard for me to like think like somebody like has all I'm like sometimes it's hard for me to believe that like this is not that it's not real, but like that it's like that severe in somebody's life. And like yes. and I know that like things that impact people differently, but like sometimes that's just like me personally, like and I've talked to like my professor about it and stuff and my like psych advisor and just like because like sometimes it's hard for me to like kind of understand that like sometimes I'm just like I don't get it um but yeah I'm gonna give you some closure (laughs) okay um yeah get ready for it you said that sometimes it's hard for you to like conceptualize that it's real it's not I think so. I, one day, one day, someone's gonna take me serious, and they're gonna let me write a book, and I'm gonna expose all the secrets of the government. What it really comes down to is some people was raised pussy. They get they got anxiety or they get anxious because they was raised pussy and never had to go through nothing stressful. So now the first time they have a bad day or they in a situation they ain't never been in before, they don't know how to act and they shut down because you guessed it. They was raised pussy. So if we stop raising our kids pussy, half of these problems will go away. Um. Okay. So. You vote for Trump. <laughs> so sometimes, like that's different. Like if it's situational, okay. Like uh, sometimes people aren't like raised how to deal with that situation. But for anxiety, like these are things like if to be diagnosed, kind of like with depression, like. These are things that have to go on for like it's a consistency, like multiple like times, like days or weeks and months in a row. And it's like there's other things that come along with it. Like you can have panic attacks. Um, you can like there's different things that have to do with it. And so like to a degree, like in terms of situational, like if somebody doesn't know how to deal with that situation, like that did, could definitely be because they haven't gone through anything hard before. But for someone who's, like, going through these things, you know, on a regular daily or daily basis, like, that's a little different. So you believe in this. You got You believed in this enough to get a degree. So I'm assuming you believe in this. <laughs> this, this is the one topic that I, I, like, yes, I believe in it, but, like, it's, it's, sometimes it's hard for me to really believe it. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think depression exists. I don't think anxiety exists. I think certain niggas was raised pussy. And I'm sorry. I do feel bad for niggas who was raised to be pussy. Like, it's weird to me. I don't get it. But you know how it go. Wow. You don't believe in depression either? I do not What are you going to tell someone? Stop being sad? Like, what? Was that yes. what you said? That's, That's exactly what I'm going to tell somebody. Like, what? Okay, you okay. Wake up every let's, let's say... Oh, my God. You know Ezra. You know he's no. going to be like, why the no. fuck are you sad? Get no. over it. Bill, no. you wake up... You're telling me somebody wakes up sad every day for two months? What else am I supposed to tell them okay. outside of, like, well, bro, like, that's pussy? Okay, but someone doesn't just, like, wake up one day and they're depressed. Like, usually there is some sort of traumatic event that happens in their life that occurs... Mm-hmm. And that makes them that way. They don't just yes. wake up one day and they're like, oh. And but then from that day. Huh? From that day on, they keep waking up like that? It's also a chemical imbalance where you don't have enough serotonin. Yes. Yeah, uh, we throwing that out. 
I'm not buying into no science. What do you mean? Hey, hey, I, I don't, I don't buy none of that scientist bullshit. Science said the earth was flat and niggas was believing that. They wrong all the time. Get them the fuck out of here. Um, <laughs> I think my bigger issue with the depression community or just in general, for two months every day, you're going to wake up sad. I can't imagine it. I can't believe something that I could never imagine. Because to me, I don't even really have bad days. But if I was having a bad day, I'm a vibe, probably go to bed, and I'm going to wake up fine the next day. Why am I going to wake up fine? Because God put breath in my body and woke me up another day. Do you need any more reason to wake up all right? Well, you also question. Have a <laughs> yes, sir. How long can someone be sad for? How long can somebody, realistically? Yes. Realistically. Oh, realistically, I'm giving you... Eight hours. Eight. Huh? All right, hold on, hold, hold on. on. I got this. What? Now, as we talked about miscarriages a while ago, mm-hmm. do you think that that's allowed for you to po- lead to possible depression? Because you did say you believe in it. You've had people that you know that have experienced it. So is that like a, a an opportunity? Is or that like reason an for you to be? Is that's not an outlier? Because I don't think the person we're talking about would even say she was depressed. She will say that she went through a sad period of time. She still woke up. She went about all her tests. You could still crack jokes with her. She was fine. See, I think losing a baby as a mother is the only thing I would give being more than eight hours worth of sad to. And why I'm saying eight hours is why I'm saying eight hours is because sad is an emotion. We can all we can all do that. If a nigga told you that you could be mad for more than eight hours, you'd be like, what the fuck is this dude on? You'd be like, dude's fucking weird. God, God like, he's been on. mad for eight hours. So why are we making it okay for someone to be sad for more than eight no, hours? We'll never know. Okay, hold on. So let's say, let's, right, because we Ezra, said depression and, like, comes from... Yeah. Like, depression, it comes from a traumatic event that happens in somebody's life. They don't just wake up sad one day. Let's say somebody... Let's say someone's like in high school or even college and they have a single mom and their mom dies. That person was their whole life. Like, let's say they don't even have any siblings, whatever. Or even if they do, but let's say like that's the only parent figure they've had their whole life growing up. You're only giving them eight hours to be upset about that? No, no, no. I'm not saying they only have eight hours to be upset. I'm saying they have eight hours to be distraughtly sad. This this heavy sadness that you guys carry for two months. They've got eight hours. You can have you like days where you have lingers. You don't think you can, no. You can have a everyday life. You can have a day where it's like you making sandwich in the kitchen, like you get sad because like damn that sucked. And then three days later, like you driving past your favorite food place. Fuck me and moms used to go there. But this isn't like an all day sad crippling thing. To me, that's like crazy. And that's. That's how you think, and that's that's just how you think, right? And that's a, yeah, but it would. I feel like it'd be crazy to think any other way. Bell, you remember my mad example I gave a couple of minutes ago? Yes. How long would you give somebody? Because sad is truly just an emotion, right? Sad is a crippling emotion. I guess anger is also a crippling emotion. It's negative. It's got a negative connotation. Like when you're sad, it's negative. When you're mad, it's negative. How long would you give somebody to be mad? If somebody told you, hey, yo, 
Stay away from Eric. He's down in the dumps. He's been fucking pissed off for two months. You'd be like, what? I feel like that's, like, you can't, I don't know that you can compare the emotions because. Why? they both emotions. Right. they both be crazy. It'd be crazy for him to be mad for two months. It's crazy for me to think someone's sad for two months. But they affect you, like, not every emotion affects you the same. In the same way. If I'm being honest. And, like, not every emotion affects you, like, biologically the same way, either. Mm. There's that science thing again. <laughs> I mean, but that's cap. But we, we'll let that, we'll let it be spoken on, but that's cap, clearly. Okay. So, so well, then why do, why do people with depression take antidepressants? Because some doctor, some doctor told him to, man, we gonna act like everything a doctor tells somebody to do is right all of a sudden? We done seen scientists be, we done seen scientists be wrong for thousands of years now. (laughs) I'm just saying, there's a lot of people who take antidepressants and like, I don't know that you can just say, oh, that's just because it's (sighs) important to I don't know if ever saying because a lot of people do something is a valid argument. No, no, no. Because there's a lot of people who don't wear masks. (laughs) <laughs> and that's because somebody told him they was good without it. They president Trump. So there was a lot of people who didn't wear masks. Yeah, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying because like everybody does it. Obviously, that's not a good argument. But I'm saying like there's it, there's like stu- like studies and stuff that is proven to like help people. So like I don't know that you can just say people are taking it just because the doctor's telling them to. No, that's true. Okay. But over time, studies get proven wrong. Right. Studies that was facts a hundred years ago, we laugh at now like niggas believe this shit. Yeah. We're really only giving somebody a work day to be sad. <laughs> right. Eight hours. Yeah, Who's no. I've, I've been sad longer than that multiple times. Some people are just built different, I guess. <laughs> facts. <laughs> I mean, I'm I happy you said it's it. Like how it also like has to go deal with like how people cope with things, like. Sometimes people don't know how to cope with something, like something that's never happened in their life before. Like it kind of just like hits them like a bus and like they don't, they just don't know how to cope with it. And so like, if it's something that's like super, like makes them really sad and stuff like, and if they don't know how to cope with it, like it's possible it could lead to depression. Uh, Not everyone can be like, yep, uh, you know, I'm real upset about this. And, but you're like, tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be great. Because I got it, I got to wake up another day. Like not everybody can just do that. Like when a huge like traumatic event happens in their life. Okay, but since we're agreeing that not everybody can do that, but there are individuals, probably a large amount of individuals who could. Wouldn't that make the individuals who can't do that pussy? Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> I also feel like the issue is when we're talking about depression and like being quote unquote sad. It's kind of like when you said about being mad, like, for two months. But you're not going to be sad the whole time. Like, you're not going to be sad from morning wake up to, yeah. you know, when you go to bed. But I feel like, I'm, I'm assuming there's, like, periods of that day that you get sad. That, like, you say you see things and it kind of brings you down. And, like, you kind of have that going for a while before you're, like, back to whatever your normal is. But, and, like, for the two months... Like, it's not just, like, someone, like, being sad. It's, like, they've lost motivation or, like, it's it's more about the event and how they feel affect their everyday life. So it's not like someone is waking up and they're sad all day, every single day. It's about, like, how it is affecting 
their like the how they do at their job or like at school or like not wanting to hang out with their friends anymore. It's debilitating. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they say. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie though. When you said like for a second, when you said like that's like someone being mad for two months, you almost had me for a second. Hey, yo, that, I'm, I'm telling like, you. Oh. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to convince you. Like, you really had to sit back and think about it. I'm going to convince you, because it'd be crazy. What we got next on the jump, bro? Since I convinced Belle that depression is pussy. You man. have not convinced me of that, but good, <laughs> good, good try. Speaking of other, like, pussy characteristics. So do you Belle, not, Okay, hold on. So then do you not... I mean, I'm pretty sure I've heard you say this before, that you don't really believe in therapy. Hell no, I don't believe in therapy. Um, I got a sister who a therapist, and I don't believe in therapy. Okay, okay. I mean, yeah, my mom is does works in mental health, and my dad doesn't believe it either. Um, so you what like you just don't think that like talking to somebody like helps, or, like mm-hmm. you don't think that they can like that the therapists provide them with tools to use. Um, I think talking to somebody can helps. I'm never gonna get behind the idea of paying. Somebody to listen to your problems. Okay, that's crazy. To me. But it's not. It's just, insane. It's not just someone listening to your problems. It's also you're explaining what's going on, and they're providing you tools and ways to cope with it and deal with it to make it better for yourself. A treatment plan. You know what I'm gonna do. You know what. You know what treatment I'm gonna seek, Bell. If I ever fall on hard, damaging times, and where I feel like I need treatment. What are you going to do? Well, I need answers. Outside of paying for a therapist, I'm going to just pray to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and hope that he brings me out of these dark times. But other niggas not built right. They're going to go pay a therapist who don't give a fuck about their problems, who going to keep telling them they need more sessions to keep coming back, to keep collecting their money, and maybe they get help one day. So I th- Maybe they don't. I think maybe your, conception, your perception of therapists is not completely accurate um do you not pay a therapist no yeah but you're saying you go back and forth no hold on so you're saying that like you're they just want their money like to come back and maybe one day they help you um i don't that's not really like people they're not just trying to get your money unless you've met yeah, other can, therapists that are just trying to get your money um can they guarantee me that after these sessions i'm gonna feel better um I don't know. They can't guarantee you that, but is to fix it. Like, and talking to someone, going to therapy, it is, and fixing your problems is a long process. Everybody knows that going into it. It's not something mm. that you fix in a week, two weeks, depending on what the problem is and how severe it is. It's something that takes a while to fix. And I'm not mad at people who do that. Um, it'll never be me. I'm going to never do that, and I'm going to thank things about people who do. But I think we do agree on if you ever get on times that hard where you feel like you need help, it is a low, long, steady process. But I can pray to my Lord and Savior every day for free. So okay. going to talk to some random Let's who don't know me, I'm just not going to You're married, do. have children. But other people, not, other people not cut like me. Okay, hold on. So let's say you're married, have kids, and your child dies, and mm-hmm. you like you basically the way to cope with that, and it would be like obviously like praying, like going to God, but then also when comes a point 
when does it come to a point where you don't know what to like you don't know what physical things that you can do to help yourself that's what a therapist would do they would give you physical things to help you cope with it yeah my but but my almighty god going to do that too way before they was therapists people's people was burying their children and all they had was prayer and they survived yeah but okay. churches collect money and you pray to God, can you guarantee that he will also provide a solution? This is just me playing. I, I can God. absolutely, I can absolutely guarantee that my God's going to provide a solution and bring me out of these dark times. Because ain't nobody going to see dark times forever under his watch. Interesting. Okay. Um, Belle, I don't know if you have an answer to this. I don't know how informed you are about this. But could you possibly uh, enlighten us on how sexism and racism has evolved in like psychology and sociology? Um, I've... I can give you an example if you need one. Yeah, that would, that would, that'd be good. Uh, so for example, since we we're talking about ADHD earlier, um, the initial kind of basis and diagnosis for ADHD was only, they only did testing on males and they didn't actually include females in that testing. So this kind of might be self-explanatory about, you know, later as they kept evolving, they started bringing, you know, different sexes and minority groups in. But so I might have just answered my own question, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, like, too much about that. But I will say, like, in terms of race, um, I think that there are, like, certain races where, um, like, mental health is and like going and like talking to a therapist that's not that's kind of like frowned upon a little bit um and it just like or it's not talked about as much like certain groups don't like don't talk about mental health and like things like that and so I think that kind of like affects them and so I do think like in terms of race that is something that plays a part with psychology can you tell us like what things you like and actually don't like about the field just kind of like, obviously, I don't have a whole lot of ex experience yet. Um, but I think something that I love is just like, knowing I have the ability to help people and to help someone. Um, and also just like, kind of understanding people a little bit more and be like, Oh, this is why you're doing that. I, I always think it's the coolest thing when I'm like, Hmm, you know, like, I know why you're acting like that because of what this situation or something like that. So I think that's cool. Um, I would say something that I don't really like in the field. I would say people kind of like not, not people like not taking this seriously, but people kind of like, kind of like with the depression and anxiety thing, like using the terms really loosely. And like, I guess people not giving credit, like to actual issues that people have and kind of like taking it really casually. I got a, I got a question. Okay. You mentioned that you were a uh, second lieutenant. Yes. In the, yes. Office, in the army now, correct? Yes. And them, them niggas work every day. Rain or shine, right? Yes. Yes. Ain't really no days off for real out there. Mm-hmm. How you feel about mental health days? I I think they're so important. Like, because, oh because listen, this semester, like, not having spring break, and when they would just throw in, like, the random like mental health days that didn't do that didn't do anything for anybody. Why? Because we still had homework due the day after that. Or like me, I was in season. Like I still had soccer that I had to do. Like it didn't provide me any sort of break. And like I was exhausted like this semester and like honestly this whole school year. 
but just like you, I think they're important because people people get top like I mean sometimes like people you just need to break like when you're just go 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 like one that's how people become disinterested and that's in terms of well talking mil like military that's what people um don't that's why people don't want to reenlist because of just kind of like the environment and not having and anything like and I yes people obviously they go into it like understanding what it's about but like just with any job like when people don't aren't given any sort of break or anything like people become disinterested and don't want to do it anymore or people just become burnt out burnout is so big I feel like burnout is so big these days because I feel like with the younger generations like they just like work 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 so much um and so I think like burnout is huge as well I have mixed feelings on burnout because I get it. I think we've got it. And this is like no disrespect to this generation because I know nobody wants to hear old heads talk about this generation. Mm -hmm. I'm in this generation, so I think I can speak on the generation. I've benefited from how it's gotten softer and softer over time. To me, I just think burnout as a concept is tricky. We talked about it a little bit with Mama B when she was on here. And it's hard to think of burnout because... 50 years like what we have now is sweet we got a sweet gig mm -hmm. 50 years ago they was working 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 oh yeah like they was on 60 hour weeks working we on 40 a lot of us in offices a lot of us like ac so for me to think that like burnout like it's it's not like burnout didn't exist then because burnout still exists then they just kind of like powered through it so it's something about like Hmm. It feels like we we trying to we trying to get away with too much. I kind of feel like we trying to scheme to a degree. Like I'll come back from work pissed that I had to work forty. I was like, damn, if I work thirty two hours this week, it'd be nice. But then at the same time, it's like I'm trying to scheme these niggas because two generations ago, they was working sixty sixty five hour weeks just to make things meet. Yeah. No, I definitely think that like the younger generations, like people want it want like I do think sometimes people want things to come easier to them um and like don't always want to like work as hard for things um but I do still think that like burnout is real I do think that when someone is like getting pushed to their limits every day beyond their limits like for a long period of time like I definitely think that you can feel like burnt out by that Plus, like you said, is like people are working through it. And it's like, should you actually just have to work through, like, should you have to work through it? Like, if you're fucking destroyed and just keep going on, like, that doesn't make any sense. Right. I think the problem is, first, I think we need to normalize career switches. I think we got into this thing where you got to work 25 years here so you can get the retirement benefits. And we've fallen into that trap from like 40, 50, 60 years ago where you need to work here. You need to work in a stable environment so you can get these retirement benefits. So nobody wants to then leave their job. I think career switching needs to be normalized. Like you do something for five, 10 years. Maybe you like it. Maybe you loved it at first. Once you get to the point where you start to just like it, go do something else that you think you want to do. I'm sure everybody got more than one passion or one thing they think they could enjoy. So career switching is one that I think needs to be a big thing. Two, I think the should we work through this gets tricky. Because should they have worked through 60 hours? Hell no. Should they have worked through 50? Hell no. 40? Hell no. It's always going to be a hell no until we get where. Because we're at 40 weeks right now. 
And y'all done heard me make the argument for 32. Ethan make the argument for 32. I think Eric, you was on board with the 32 at one point as well. Then someone told me France worked 30 hour a week. When will it be low enough where we'll actually be pleased? Because at some point, it's going to always be like, damn, but we could do a little less. We could do a little less. And at some point, you probably got to stop giving into that. Because what right now, how much less would be enough for you to never question your work week again? Here's the thing. I would like to say, what, like 30 or 32? But then, listen, once you get to 32 and you're like, if we could get another day off, we could really yep. be doing something. You'd, you'd cut the day, what is it, six hours a day would make it 30 hours a week if you work five days. And you'd be like, damn, I don't even really need to eat lunch here. I could work at 8 to 12 and eat at home. <laughs> and now, you just like that, you cut six more hours from your week. I don't know. I mean, I, I do think, though, like these other countries that have paid, I remember you can definitely remind me of the country that has like mandatory like vacation time. Oh, um, it was um, France. Yeah, like if you have it set up where your people are generally happy for the most part, then I don't think you necessarily need to do so. So if you have like the two months of mandatory vacation that you need to take, like 30 hour work week, if there's actually a good balance, I think you can possibly find the sweet spot. The issue is it's going to be hard to find it and us Americans love to scheme and to do less work as possible. So yeah. Any, anytime I go to a different country and they ask me about our culture or like my job or career, I'll explain it to them. And every single time they say, why do Americans feel the need to work themselves to death? Like that's like the way we set up our work week, working five days and only having off two. And then companies very rarely giving vacation time off or not giving sick days so you have to use your vacation. Like when people are complacent with how companies run their businesses and how they're being treated and you stay and you don't complain, that's why companies get away with what they get away with. Um, if you make it known that like something needs to change or you don't stay at a job because it makes you feel like shit or you don't feel like you have enough recovery time, like one week a year is not enough to be working 40 hours a week. Like, that's absolutely absurd. No. I I don't think 40 weeks, 40 hours is a... I, when he said what would be the sweet spot, I truly, I truly don't think 40 hours is a bad spot that we found a way of settling on. Because once you think 168 hours in a week, you work 40 hours, you still have... You still got so much time to do other things around that. And then you got your weekend. I think 40 hours is probably, f for real, the sweet spot. Okay, but how often are you at a job and you work that entire eight hours? What you mean? Like you work you, from the time you clock you, to the time you clock out. No breaks the entire eight hours. Oh, I never do that. <laughs> why, why, would I do, why would I do that? So why are we working 40 hours if it doesn't take See, us 40 hours to do our jobs? That's a bad concept. And here's why. Because by that logic, when you cut it to six hours, you're going to be like, damn, I don't work the whole six hours. I go to the break for five minutes. I eat lunch. I bullshit for 30. We can do four hours. And then it's going to be you've cut so many hours out. Where are you making money? Because we got to keep in mind, the more we cut hours, the less money niggas going to pay you. If I'm paying you to work 40 hours and now you work 30, that check going to look a little different than it did when you was working 40 of them things. Or And now you got to decide what you're going to do. Or... 
you become more efficient in your job and how you spend your time. Your time. You work less hours and with the extra money, this, this would be an ideal situation. I'm not saying this would ever actually happen, but with the leftover money that they're saving from you not working 40 hours, they just raise the hourly wage. Yeah, that would be very, very ideal bubble-esque. Exactly. I feel like right. it that would mean you, you would need all of those people to now all of their performances. If you was giving me a B at eight hours, you got to give me an A at six hours. Because at least then I can like, eh, he's here. He's getting some work in. He's turning work in for the eight hours he's here. If that six hours is still a B, yeah, we going back to eight. Because the quality got to improve if I'm going to take this much time off and y'all want to raise. It's just hard to conceptualize because of many jobs. Like, as for example, like what you do, you responding to clients, putting things through. It's kind of hard to, like, say a threshold of, like, Paige's job where she has to respond to, like, 100 different people. Like, that's what you have to do on a daily basis. If you if every job was like that, where once you hit a certain number, you could leave, then it would make more sense. But it's kind of tough without it. And as far as the 40 hours thing, it, I think we think about it so much because most people aren't happy with their jobs. Like, I think if you're happy with your jobs, you're not counting on those 40 hours as much. And also, I think it depends on what time you work. I, for some reason, I very much feel like I'm not working as much when I work seven to three compared to if I did like eight to four or nine to five. I agree. The earlier I go in, the easier it is because I then know I might have that much time after work that I can get active. The later I got to be there, it, it don't even matter if I get to go in later. If I had to go in at 10 and I get off at six, it's still eight hours. But it ain't the right eight hours. Yeah. Because at six, I'm going to go home. I'm going to make dinner. I'm going to shower. And it's fucking 830. What am I going to do now? Yeah. Yeah. And like my my job now compared to my last one, like I used to work 10 to 7. But then they would also require us to work overtime. Like it was mandatory. So it was just constantly looking at the clock, counting down time because it was a miserable fucking job. My current job, I find myself like my body naturally waking up earlier and getting a ton more done because I actually look forward to my job because it's not miserable. So liking your job and how a company treats you also has a lot to do with your like motivation and all that, which makes it easier. So flexible, honestly, it should probably be more of like flexible start times would be a good start. And oh, then we yeah. can maybe eventually, even though it will never happen, go try to reduce times of work. I think but, that a lot of companies are going to stay remote and a lot of people are going, because, I mean, I was doing that beforehand and they give us a, turn, a certain time slot and you can work eight hours anywhere in that span. Doesn't matter, but they require you to take at least an hour's worth of a break. I'm not going to lie. Don't require me to take a break. I'd rather just work through it and get done earlier. Yeah, yeah but legally, legally you got to. Yeah. Um, okay. I have, I was telling y'all, I work these flex hours. A lot of companies can't go to flex hours, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, I work a company with flex hours. I run into issues every day around 2 o'clock because I go 8 to 4. It's just the easiest. Sometimes I go 7 to 3, but I usually go 8 to 4 because Mariah also works 8 to 4, so we sync up the sketch. <laughs> um, the issue with this is... I rely on niggas in the bet to press out orders and shit like that. So when they go work 6 to 12 and I'm here 8 to 4 and now I need them, it's not efficient because I'm waiting on them the next day and then they're waiting on me 
it would make more sense for us to be at the same time. And that I was actually looking up the other week. This is an issue a lot of companies have when they did go flex and why they went back to regular and why a lot of companies won't go flex. If at any point you really need like a lot of employee interaction or like you got different people in different departments that you need like coming together, you need them niggas basically working the same eight hours. And then it doesn't look fair as a model. Like uh, all 30 of y'all work eight to four. You 15, anywhere in this 12 hours. Nobody happy like that. So you give them all an eight to four. Or you give them all an eight to five. I mean, it depends on the field. Like, that's just going to come. Like, yours is more. Like, I could go a whole day without talking to a single person. Same. Yeah, but, uh, mate, uh, I guess in y'all fields, but I'm even thinking, like, finance, like, decent, some finance firms, because I know a lot of people who work finance, like, engineers and stuff like that. If it's anything where you got to, like, work in groups or projects to get stuff done, there's no way flex hours would work. Because no. if you work 10 to 6 and I work 8 to 2, we not there enough to get stuff done. Oh, yeah. No. And now I'm having to do my work outside of work, which is going to make me hate my job. Yeah, that's completely valid. Or if it's something that you have to work with other people, as long as there's not like a strict like deadline, that would be the only um, other way you could do that. But yeah, if your job is completely independent, I go all the time and never talk to any of my coworkers. But I'll have such a productive day that I won't have to work near as hard the next day. So it's just... Depends on the job. But uh, somehow we were talking about mental health and got to this. Um, I don't even know if my job, like, we have, like, a couple personal days on vacation and sick days. I don't know if we have, quote-unquote, mental health days in our system. Um, how many, like, is there a proper number that people should get, like, mental health days a year? Like, is that even a thing? I think it's because it's so taboo. I don't think a lot of companies actually give them. Um, so I don't know if there's like a right or wrong answer to that at the moment because it's not very normalized. Yeah, I was gonna say, I've company? never heard of like any companies like actually giving their employees like mental health days. No, some get them. Oh, I just never heard of it. In my company, zero. They get in none. Call out sick if you're sick. <laughs> well, mine is a psychological based health app, so it's kind of like mental health is the main priority anyway. So they give you at least five and then 10 also sick days. So, and then you also work at home. So you're not having to like go anywhere, even if you do feel like shit. So, yeah, I can't cap if my job, if I'm allowing you as an employer to work from home, this going to sound sick, but uh, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> you don't get no sick days. Well, I mean, some days you like, I mean, what was it that I, when I had COVID, there was no way I could have done anything. You said if you're so sick, you can't do anything? How sick y'all be getting? Somebody can have, like, the <laughs> flu if they, or if they have a stomach flu and, like, they're by the toilet all day. Like, you expect somebody to work? You know what? You're right. I take that back. You've made me a better man. you made me a better employer. Two sick days. Because how many times out the year are you going to get that sick that you got the flu and can't work? Twice. At most. You get two of them. But you also need a day to go to the doctor. And then you need a day for a checkup. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you work from home, do that on your lunch break. Do that after work. Don't do that on my hours. Oh, yes. Because every doctor is available at your like at your availability. They not, but um, that's a you problem. <laughs> I'm not here to... <laughs> Y'all asking too much of the employer. Okay, but every time you get strep throat or whatever... I go to work. 
Ain't never not going to work. I was working on I was working on a UPS truck in the snow of Mansfield with my tonsils hurting. Isn't strep throat contagious? Yeah. No, I have tonsillitis, not strep. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was about to say. Yeah. I was I was going to work, Bell. That's what I'm saying. Like if you sit, go to work. But if it's contagious, you shouldn't go to work. Yeah, if you're contagious, don't go to work. <laughs> I mean, if you're contagious, yeah. But how many times you get contagiously sick a year? None. I answered it for you. There's a whole pandemic about it. What do you mean? And if someone gets the flu, like, that's definitely contagious for, like, the first day. Okay, so for that one day, you ask, can I work from home? If they say no, then charge it to the game. You're not getting paid for that day. Mm, Okay. Might as well no call, no show, because I'm going to treat you the same. I feel like that's such an American thing where companies are like, hey, don't come in if you're sick. And people are just like, yeah, I probably shouldn't. Or they're like, yeah, I'm feeling pretty sick today. I've been throwing up all last night, but you know, I had to come in and put the eight hours in. It's like, it, like there's no win-win. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah, but some people need that money. Money talk. Eight eight hours out of the certain out of the certain wrong person's check make a difference. Well, yes, yeah, no, that's an outlier. Once you get salary, it's a different lifestyle. But but if you have sick leave, like that's paid. Like, I mean, unless not every company like your sick leave is, you still can get paid for that. Oh, as what are your thoughts on people who take a leave of absence from their job? That take a leave for absence, leave um, absence. unless it is maternity or paternity or the miscarriage one, which I support. Unless it is one of those three, um, a leave of absence that is more than three days. Yeah, you just absent. What if you just left. an only you child and their parent dies and they have to go? Do uh, pack up their whole house and do all of that, or if they're next to kin and they have to do all of that, you're only giving them three days to do everything. No, let me ask you a question. You don't got weekends? I do. He's gonna say it. Gonna say okay, but that's still only two days. You could go two days every day of the every weekend of the month. That's what eight if, days right what there. The person is not as uh, what if the place is not easy access? Like you have to fly there. You've got to fly there. Like um, you gotta fly Friday, Friday after work and come back Monday before work. Oh my goodness! <laughs> y'all try to what? Y'all want me? Y'all want to get away with everything? This is the America scheming coming out of you. This is not people trying to get away you're with scheming. Everything. You're you're scheming. You're trying to get over on me. Oh goodness! Never let Es be a fucking an owner of a business. Right? His employees will hate it. Then. Yeah, and then people are gonna leave because they don't like it. You know what keeps people from leaving? What? Making money. I'm going to pay them good because they're going to turn good profits for me. So they're going to keep coming. Not if you treat them like trash. Yeah, um, that's a misconcept that I guess like the mass media has showed people that if you treat your employees like trash, they won't keep coming back. That's cap. If you treat them like trash but pay them good, they will still keep coming back <laughs> every time. Okay. It's very true. You've seen a lot on Bar Rescue. All the time. People get treated terrible. That is so true. That's so true. They get treated so bad. As long as you make good money, it don't even matter. But on Bar Rescue, these people are not even making the money and they're still coming back to work. (laughs) Exactly. So if you're getting paid well, you're definitely coming back. I'm thinking like how bad I would allow myself to be treated if I was making the right amount of money. And the right amount of money in my head was like for $150,000, you could probably like work me nine hours a day every day. And I probably still keep coming back. Because people work that much for way less. Or people work for what? Federal minimum wage is like seven twenty five. They'll work that and get paid treated like shit. Yeah, people do that work sixty hours a week and <laughs> they boss tell them to shut the fuck up. <laughs> That's so American. 
It's like, (laughs) what am I supposed to do, leave? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, they've drilled in. Again, I have no clue how we got all the way here. But they've done a great job of, like, drilling in the fear of switching careers and leaving jobs. I didn't realize, like, that was such a big thing. Because, like, I feel like if you're not interested in the job, like, if you find something else that you're interested in, go do it. Like, I don't know. I never, like, realized that, like, that was such a big thing that, like, people, like, have kind of gone against, like, people switching their career. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. They get, like, five or seven, let's say five, ten years in. They start getting benefits. They've got a good salary. They're putting money away towards their 401k or pension or whatever they got. They're merged in this. Maybe they have a family. Maybe they don't. They don't now want to switch fields, maybe take a little less money, and then have to reclimb that ladder for a whole new career. I understand. So they stick with it for 15 years. But I feel like if you if you're not enjoying it, like, you're just miserable. Like, if there's a job that, like, you would – a job that you would enjoy more, like, okay, maybe you're making a little less money, but I feel like – I don't know. Personally, like, I know, like, for me, like, I'll be working, like, for the government. Like, I know it's not the greatest, like, money, but it's something that I enjoy doing. But I can still live off of it. I feel like it's hard when – uh kind of like as I said, like you've been so established or like, let's say you're criminal justice psychology, right? Mm-hmm. That's what your major is in. So yeah. that's your degree. You worked in that for 10 years. You got a family now. Let's say you're making a cool hundred K. You're hated. And you're like, you know what? I really want to go into fucking pottery, but like okay. some pottery job, that's like, that's your new dream and passion. So- and then they're like, Hey, you, the, the paychecks, uh, it's 35 K a year. And you could maybe get up to where you were, but you don't really know. People don't want to take that risk when you got a family and you're so established. Well, yeah. And I feel like, though, like, that is so – I feel like that's such an extreme – I mean, unless people really go through something like that. But, like, you also have to, at the same time, be realistic about the situation. And, like, if – I mean, that's a huge pay cut that you'd be taking. Like, you have to be like, can I still afford to live and to take care of my family? Like, so it's like, okay, maybe not go for, you know, your hobby that you like to do as a job, but like something else that you still enjoy a little bit more than what you're doing and something that we can still live off of and not like die or like not have to be able to put like food on the table. Like, But like this comes to the balance of happiness over like money. Like let's say you could do 35, yeah. you'd be living paycheck to paycheck. Like you could do it barely, but you'd happy, be extremely though. happy. I feel like living paycheck to paycheck is not happy. No, no, no. Living paycheck to paycheck might not be happy for you. That might worry you worrying about where the next pay is coming or what if a bill happens. But if this is one of those like little hippie yuck fucks who don't care, and he's like, you know what? I'm doing this. I'm making art. I'm selling art. I'm happy as fuck. Then he happy. He's struggling financially, but he happy. I, th- I feel like I see that a lot of the times with entrepreneurs when they start up their own business. They A lot of the times they leave a nice job because usually to be an entrepreneur, you usually made decent money at some point. So you're leaving a nice job to then start your job. And then the problem or like what you got to wrestle with is, is it worth leaving this nice, decent salary to start something off the ground that maybe will make it, but maybe won't. And, and at that rate, I think a lot of people charge it to the game and I'm going to just be less happy. I'm going to compete. Keep providing for my family. Keep living this life, and we are gonna keep pushing. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I could. Think what? I could be that. happy or? I don't, yeah, I don't think I could be happy with the, for the loss of money. With the loss of money? No. 
Yeah, I'm telling you right now, I could be doing whatever I love and losing all this money not gonna make me happy. I'm gonna yeah. be miserable. No I'm gonna go through that. I'm gonna go through that stage of depression where it's two months of just mad. Oh my god! Like I still think about Mom B how she went from engineering to nursing, like just a completely different field where you basically have to go to school again. Like, fuck, dude. How? Yeah, I couldn't do it. She's stronger than me. Um, do you have anything else? We wrap this thing up. I can't lie. I think we covered everything we had. Belle, did you need anything? Did you have anything? I don't think I did. Um, I would say you know, if there's anyone out there, there's nothing wrong. If, if you need to talk to somebody or if you're going through something hard, there's nothing wrong with finding a professional and getting help. Well, I just feel like one of those late night infomercials. Uh, <laughs> if you're struggling with addiction. <laughs> just hey, like, no, you know, sometimes society looks on mental health in a negative light, but I think there's nothing wrong if you need help. Except for if you have anxiety, because Belle thinks that it's fake. Hey, hey, hey! No, beat it out no, of her. we're not putting that out there. Belle said, "I'm built different. I don't get scared like you pussies." And that was really oh funny. no, that is definitely not what I said. <laughs> it's pretty much what she said. Yeah, we'll she, put it in there. It was the army. It's all that army propaganda. Um, Belle, I have two questions to end it for, with you. Okay. One piece of advice you would give to your younger self. Um, I would probably say to my younger self to not be so uptight about everything um because like obviously you know I said like I'm a rule follower I'm a pretty like strict person when it comes to things like that and that's how I've been my whole life um but I think if I had just kind of not been so uptight in certain parts of my life when I was younger I could have enjoyed some things a little bit more so you were a loser for a while. You know, I have been told that. Um, I have, but uh, sure, if that's how you want to label it. Now I have a follow-up for that. What made you not be a loser anymore? Was it dating Ethan? Did a strong black man bring it out of you? No, she, she did get some clout. I was a loser before that. Oh, my goodness. Um, no, I would say, I mean, I played, like, soccer. So I think just, like, all my soccer friends in high school – and, like, obviously in college, too, like, that's kind of, like, I just didn't mix with, like, that's kind of, like, who I hung out with. So, I would say that's, like, not really, that made me, like, not a loser. <laughs> Last question for you. If you came into $21,000, <laughs> how would you spend it and you can't use it to pay off any debts or anything? You have to actually spend it. Or savings. Or savings. Yes. Okay. Money has got to be spent. So, I would... Okay, I would definitely give some of it to my parents to help them pay off their house. Um, you can't do that. That's like oh debt by proxy. Um, that yeah, that's that's paying off debt. You okay. can't do that. Okay, okay, okay. I would I would take a very long vacation to travel across like in the world. Um, mm. with definitely some of that. I. Hmm. What else did I do? Can I like donate some of it to like? No. What? Oh, I don't know. I I mean, you could technically that's spending it, but I'm saying, why would you do that? Yeah. Because okay, because I I mean, if you want to do that, you could do that. I mean, I would probably probably donate a little bit, like to my church. I would definitely. Um, but I think like yeah, I would definitely go. I would use. I I mean, I don't know how long, how much it would cost me to do like all the traveling I'd want to do, but that's definitely. 
what I would want to do. I would definitely put a lot of that towards like traveling the world. That's interesting. Okay. I thought the army already traveled people for free. That's, <laughs> what, I'm That's what I'm saying. Like you, you get the opportunity to travel. Like what? <laughs> That's in yeah. the commercials, Bell. I've seen it. <laughs> You're gonna see the world. Yeah. <laughs> but I would also oh, probably. Yeah, but, like, on, like, my travels, like, I would bring people with me and, like, also pay for them. You have decided to spend money more interesting than anyone I've heard spend their money so far. So. <laughs> for sure. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Music and TV, Bell, if you're not familiar, we give a music recommendation and a TV or yeah. movie recommendation at the end of the podcast. So, I'm not, like, a huge, like, music person. Like, I listen to music, but I don't really have, like, I don't know that I'd have any like good recommendations. I kind of just listen to what I listen to. Um, but for TV show, I started watching Bad Girls Club. If anybody like reacts, oh my god, she's so late. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. Ethan just told me about it, and I started it. It's so good. Um, reality TV. These people are literally insane. I can't believe the stuff they do, and the fact that their first instinct when someone is like fighting is to like. Or, like, arguing is to, like, hit somebody. That's just, like, beyond me. Um, but, yeah, that's what I would say. TV-wise, you know I'm on that Queen Sugar. Can't stop. Actually going to get some in as soon as I get off the call. Um, Music-wise, I haven't really been listening to music like that. So I'll just give a throwback. Um, I heard the Lil' Romeo theme song on my playlist <laughs> the other day. That's a bop. Go catch it. Paige, what do you got? Music. I'm going to recommend Julia Ro- or. No, was it? No, Julia Michaels' new album. Uh, the same one I did last week, just because that's still the only album I've listened to for the last week. Um, so that's so good. And then TV. Um, I haven't watched anything on TV lately, so I don't know. Just listen to the listen to the podcast. Shout out the podcast. Um, music wise, Brockhampton dropped an album. I started listening to it, didn't finish it. Uh, Roadrunner, New Light, New Machine. So I guess give that a listen. TV-wise, still in Love Island. Um, they have such great verbiage. I'm going to start calling girls birds um, for sure. And I'm also watching Invincible, a cartoon on Amazon Prime. Pretty fucking solid. Definitely a gory comic book kind of thing. I fucks with the vibes heavy. But I think that's it. So thank you guys for listening. As always, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Porch Talk No A. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on there. Subscribe on Spotify, Google Podcasts. Share the podcast with a friend. We appreciate you, and we'll be back next week. Peace. I'm bored in the house, and I'm in the house, boy. Boy, bored in the house, and I'm in the house, boy. Boy, bored in the motherfucking house, boy. And I'm bored in the motherfucking house, boy. 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 Motherfucking house, boy. Bored in the motherfucking house, boy. Nine in the streets, niggas riding in the streets. Try the police, then we sob and repeat. I done seen this like a hundred million times. Seen a white light, get a black.